Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let you guys know first. So I uh, won't be long-winded. You only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year. So I uh, really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me, my family, my friends, my teammates, my competitors. Uh, I could go on forever, there's too many. Um, thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change a thing. Love you all. Love you too, pal. Love you too. Uh, this is gonna be tough. This is not going to be an easy show to start. It's one of those things where you wake up and you think, oh, he's he's actually doing it. Again, uh, the greatest quarterback of all time is going to retire. He holds a special place in my heart. And the big reason why I'm a sports fan and why I care about doing shows like this. So uh, Tom Brady, 23 years in the NFL, hanging him up. And um, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna leave it at that because uh, I'm I'm sad. It's uh, Green Dot Daily, everybody. We are Action Network's daily sports betting show. We still have a show to do. I'm your host, Brendan Glasheen. Join us every weekday. We're here at noon Eastern. However you found us, uh, we're always streaming in the Action Network app and the Action Network YouTube channel. Who knows? I mean, Tom Brady's a media guy now. Maybe he'll he'll come on Green Dot Daily and give us his picks. That's something to think about down the road. Our show is brought to you by. Uh, bet MGM use the bonus code action when signing up to get up to $1,000 first bet insurance terms and conditions apply. We have a lot to get to in the show. Michael Leboff is going to join us the last slate of games in the NHL before the all-star break. So Leboff joins us who he's buying, who he's selling and Charlie Disturco breaks down a busy college basketball slate for us tonight. So that's all coming up. We shift from one goat to another. Sean Little's included in that conversation. He joins us now <laughs> on Green Dot Daily. We're also talking LeBron James. Uh, LeBron last night, big game, triple-double. Shout out to our, our guy Joe Delera, who yes. hit a triple-double parlay last night. Uh, he hit LeBron, LaMelo Ball, and Jokic. Um, tremendous stuff by Delera, but LeBron was excellent. You were at the game last night. LeBron is getting very close, uh, little to breaking Kareem's scoring record. Yeah, eighty nine points to go. He he had the triple double last night at the Garden. First player to ever have a triple double in his twentieth season, by the way. But what what I'm getting at, and what I'm looking at in the, a part of this whole situation, him breaking Kareem's record, is how calculated of an individual LeBron James actually is. And this situation is no different. That's why I'm looking at LeBron to break the scoring record on 2-9 against the Bucks, against the Milwaukee Bucks. Plus 130 right now out there in the market. It's a fluctuating price, so make sure you get the best one. But there's so many examples of LeBron being extremely calculated. Think about the vision of his friends being his business partner. Think about the beginning. See Clutch Group, what, what they got going on right now in L.A. This entire stint going out to L.A. with the Lakers is all about his post-basketball career, the production company, everything about it. His son, Bronny, is going to end up playing college ball, in my opinion, in California. This, when he went to L.A., LeBron was satisfied with his career. Everything else that has been coming on top of that has been icing on the cake. And I think that's why the, this whole situation is interesting. 
you think that LeBron is not going to do break one of the most prestigious records in sports on his accord exactly how he wants to? He's planning exactly how he's going to get this done. He's not going to do it against the Thunder. That's for sure. He's going to break the record at home in front of his homies, in front of his his family in L.A. on national TV, on a TNT game, a premier matchup. Kareem's old team in the Bucks. It's too perfect. I like it. Try to find some plus money. LeBron to break the all-time scoring record 2-9 versus the Milwaukee Bucks. I like it. Yeah, a lot of minutes under his belt the last couple of games. So he didn't play Monday against Brooklyn, but it makes you think too, like, oh, maybe that's calculated as well. These scheduled off days to time this out properly. And they're still hanging in there to make a run at not just the play-in, but the Lakers are still just a few games back of being a legitimate seed in the West. That's how open the conference is. So we had to spend a second on LeBron. It was great last night uh, at MSG. How about tonight? So legalization in Massachusetts just took place yesterday. We were just talking yeah. about this off the air before we went on. So the Celtics play their first game uh, since the legalization. They're at home, taking on the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie Irving's in the house. No Kevin Durant, but the Nets are a top four team in the East. The Nets are trying to get off the schneid and beat Boston. They got swept last year in the playoffs. Boston's 2-0 against them this year, both games in Brooklyn. It's the first time Brooklyn comes to Boston what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, it's getting ready to be 3-0. That's my initial thought. Right now, the number sits at minus 9 at bet MGM. I'm going to tell you right now, my play for the game is Kyrie Irving under 5.5 rebounds, minus 125 over at bet MGM. Kyrie has been the show since Durant left. We know what he's been doing in January. He's been absolutely been going nuts, averaging 31.7 assists with a 33% usage rate since Durantula went down. Tonight, there's no Simmons. There's no Warren. Boston is a really good rebounding team. Nets 21st in the NBA, allowing 53 opponent rebounds a game. So Boston should be able to clean the glass up here pretty easily. Potentially Robert Williams, Tom Lord should be coming back as well. I see this being a slower game, potentially with the number being minus nine. To me, that says Boston's going to get in here, take care of business. This might be a spot where the Celtics blow blow the Nets out, a double-digit double, double digit type victory, and Kyrie can get a little bit of rest. He's been playing almost 38 minutes a game this month. He's been getting a ton of time with Durant out. I just think where he's going to get breaks is, is on the glass. I'm going to go under five and a half rebounds for Kyrie, minus 125. Go take a look at Bad MGM. Okay, very good. I'm pretty sure uh, Time Lord's in. I think Joe Mazzulla spoke today, and the expectation is Time uh, Robert Williams plays. Mazzulla spoke uh, on Boston radio today. So yeah, um, that, that looks like Williams good to go from a rebounding standpoint, to your point about keeping Kyrie and the Nets off the glass tonight. Uh, what what else do we like in the NBA tonight? You're on the, the Memphis Grizzlies in some sort of fashion. Yeah, Memphis Grizzlies. First half, minus two and a half, minus 110 is out there. The Memphis Grizzlies, we know how they get down in Memphis at the Grindhouse. Just an extremely different team. They want to get out in transition. Their half-court offense isn't that good, but they want to get out in transition and run the floor, and they do that better than ever when they're playing at home in Memphis. Grizzlies, the second-best team in the NBA in the first half as well, 30-19-1 against the spread. And I also love this schedule setup. The Blazers, their, the Blazers' first road game after playing six straight home games. And then this is Memphis' second straight home game after losing five straight home games. So they played five, or excuse me, five straight road games. They played five straight road games, all L's, got home, 
got the W against the Pacers, but they started off extremely sluggish. They started off slow. And a, a capping angle that I talk about on buckets all the time, make sure you t- uh, catch that new episode just dropped this morning. Me and Jay Money is Money are, are talking about these plays as well. One of the things we, the angles we like to focus on when capping is the first game home after a road trip, the NBA guys hang out with their family, catch up on a lot of things back at home, and they usually like they they're usually a little sluggish. Now they got that first game against the Pacers at home, out of the way against the long break. Then they have two days off of rest, and now they're fresh. I think they come out fast, early, and often against the Blazers. I'll lay the minus two and a half here with the Grizzlies in the first half. Okay, and Portland's been playing better, so I could I yeah. understand why the number's short. Yeah, they've won three of four. The Portland Trail Blazers coming in, another team that's like, you look at their record, you're like, oh, they're still kind of hanging around. The Trail Blazers are hanging around. They're in the mix, potentially, to get in the playoffs. Uh, okay, so that sets up to be a pretty good one. Elsewhere, we want to keep you on here to talk Super Bowl. Super Bowl 57 is yeah. in a couple weeks now. We're in February, so we're getting close to February 12th. Yeah. You've got a play you want to share on the show. What do you have for us? Yeah, be careful here. This is more of a fun little prop spot. Any non-quarterback to have one plus touchdown pass plus 2,200 out in the market. This is fun. Joe Mixon did it last year. He threw a TD pass. Trey Burton, we all know about the Philly special. Antoine Randall L back in 2006. Now, Andy Reid is going to have a couple weeks to, to prepare for a defense that has been putting on a show as, as of late. I know a lot of people think the NFC is soft, and I, I say think, but the NFC has been soft all year. And But the Eagles have been dominating these guys in that conference. They've been the best team far and away all year. And I believe at some point or another, the Chiefs are going to need some type of gadget play. Not I shouldn't say need, but they're, they're going to go to some type of gadget play. Eagles – that, that big-time front, we know about uh, four-plus guys with 11 sacks, and then the other guy is Fletcher Cox, number one pass defense in the Eagles. I can see Andy Reid cooking up a little cooking up a little gadget play, potentially Travis uh, Kelsey in the mix, throwing a touchdown to someone else, using him as a decoy at plus 2,200. I think it's a fun prop to play for Super Bowl 57. All right, and we got a little breaking news because you are in New York, correct? You are based in New York. So I am. Big news in the WNBA moments ago. Brianna Stewart has announced she is signing with the New York Liberty. Wow. So Kevin, Kevin Durant. Du- I was Kevin Durant say, gets yeah. his wish. Yeah, Kevin Durant gets it done. Can you are you can you can you get charged for tampering if it's the WNBA? Is that possible, Glasheen? Can you get a tampering <laughs> fine from the NBA to the WNBA? That's a great, great question. I mean, then again, she was up. She was a free agent. So uh, Durant was just doing his best, uh, his best marketing pitch, I suppose. But yeah, Brianna Stewart is going to the New York Liberty. Yeah. Wow. Shout out out Kevin Durant for how much love and support he shows the WNBA. He shows up to the games. He's always talking about him. He's always wearing the gear, always pushing uh, the WNBA when he gets an opportunity. So I, I love that. I love that for the NBA and NYC basketball scene, I should say. And uh, yeah, shout out Kevin Durant for vouching. 
have it's National Girls and Women in Sports Day as well. So Stewart going to the Liberty to join Sabrina Ionescu, Jaquel Jones. That's a that's a big get for the uh for the Liberty. That broke moments ago. Brianna Stewart announcing she is uh signing with the New York Liberty. So all things going well in New York. You get the Knicks who are feisty. I know they dropped a tough one last night. The Nets, when they get to ramp back and, and with Brooklyn's ownership, also uh Joe Sai also running the show with the uh the Liberty. Fun time to be in New York. Sean Little, thanks for stopping by the show and enjoy the uh, what's been going on now lately to be a great basketball market these days. Always well, Ashley and I appreciate you. Thanks a lot, brother. Okay. Talk to you again soon. On to college basketball. We are one month away from March. That's what I think of when the calendar flips to Jan- uh, from January to February is we're a month away from March. Conference tournaments, March Madness, all the good stuff. So... These games, they already mattered quite a bit in conference play, but these are crucial games to build your resume. Uh, Penn State-Purdue, this is one of the games we're talking about. Purdue, of course, rolling. Zach Eady, player of the, you know, best player in the country probably, I think, uh, laying 10.5 points. Providence-Xavier, that's a great one. Xavier favorites against Providence. Florida-Tennessee, Georgia-Auburn. Nova, who has had its struggles, taking on Shaka and Marquette on the road. We welcome in from the Action Network studio, Charlie Disturco here to talk about the slate today. Charlie, you've got a couple of plays, some that are pending some injuries, so some might not be official, but give us one that you're on for sure when you look at tonight's slate to begin the month of February. What's up, Brendan? Yeah, I'm going to start down in Gainesville, Florida, taking on Tennessee and I'm taking the Gators here as home underdogs. You'll love to find the spots where some of these top teams come in on the road and have this tough environment to play in. Two teams trending in the opposite direction. Tennessee 9-1 in the last 10. Florida 5-5. Five five. So this is just a perfect buy low, sell high spot here. Tennessee, the way that they operate is through their defense. They love to out-physical you. They love to grab offensive rebounds, force turnovers. They're extremely disruptive on the perimeter. And, well, they're running a little bit too hot on that end. I think that they're due for some negative regression. They're actually holding opponents at 22% from three. So that's a number that is just completely unsustainable. And Florida's guards, they're experienced, they're veterans. So they're going to be able to withstand this Tennessee pressure and really to attack where the Vols are weak. And where they're weakest is in the interior, in the pick and roll. And they have, Florida has the perfect matchup nightmare for them. And that's Colin Castleton. He is just a great big man. He's the leading scorer and rebounder for Florida. And Florida's also getting back Alex Fudge. He returned last game. He's a 6'9 forward provides that extra length and defensive pressure that can really take advantage of this Tennessee team. Tennessee usually turning their defense into offense. Their offense actually not that great as expected. You know, you would think one of the top teams in the country would have such a good offense, but they rely so much on off-screen ball movement around that mid-range and three-point jump shot. And that's really a volatile area to attack. And, And Florida has the length. They have the guards. They have Fudge now back that can now allow for him or Castleton to step out to the perimeter, use their length to be disruptive. This is just too many points here. Tennessee likes to slow down the game. And if they can't get in transition, which I don't think they will be able to, Florida should be able to keep it close. It's never fun backing an underdog, especially of Florida's caliber who, you know, can lay an egg any night. But this is a perfect spot to back the Gators at home. Gators have won five of seven. Tennessee's won four straight. They only have one loss in league play for Florida, five and three in the SEC. Uh, They hope to boost their resume, as we discussed uh, off the top here. This is a great resume builder for Florida. If they can pull off the upset tonight, plus 196 on the money line. Okay, let's go to the Big East. Uh, I mentioned uh, Shaka at home as a favorite. We talk so much about Shaka as a dog, but here he is, big favorite, multiple possession favorite against Villanova. But there's a caveat here. There's something here that you're, you're thinking, 
I like this play, taking a dog, but you need something. You need to know something. What might that be? Right, and that's the status of Cam Jones, the sophomore for Marquette, right? He's he's coming in. He had a hip injury against DePaul. His status is questionable. And also freshman Sean Jones, double Jones, both questionable for this game. And Marquette doesn't have the depth that can really combat Nova with the physicality. And I think that's why we've seen the line open, which I took it at plus nine. It's dropped all the way down to six, six and a half at some markets. And if Cam Jones is out, I think I lean... As far as like when you're looking at the market and stuff, you got to wait, but grab it quickly. That's six and a half number because Villanova, Marquette is a great matchup as far as Marquette loves a run and gun. They're the number one adjusted offense per Ken Palm and their transition offense is deadly. But what does Villanova do best? They stop the transition. So they're, they're 17th in transition defense and shot quality actually has them due for some positive regression. They're top 75 in just about every shot type but the mid-range. And that is not where Marquette loves to attack. They only shoot 6% of all shots in that mid-range jumper. So Marquette, they love to really space out the floor, run picks and, and and move off screen and try and get their matchup that they want or you know get the big man on the point guard and attack through Tyler Kolick. Well, Nova has arguably the most versatile and mobile big man in Eric Dixon as far as he can guard any position. Nova can guard the one through five. So I think that they have a good matchup here to really stunt Marquette. And Justin Moore coming back is just another bonus for Villanova. He returned last game, wasn't you know, 100% healthy, you could tell there's some some rust there, but having him back just gives another ball handler and shooter for Villanova for an offense that has really struggled. It's just a lot of possession or a lot of points here for what should be a lower possession game because Marquette, they won't be able to run and gun, especially if Cam Jones is out. And well, Marquette, they're horrible in defense. They're outside the top 300, around that 300 mark in the pick and roll and in half court defense. And that is where Nova likes to attack. They slow the game down. They don't have the greatest shooters right now, but a lot of guys are just shooting under their career averages. That should be a positive regression in the future. It's just a lot of points for me. I want to monitor Cam Jones' status because he's really a difference maker. He takes 27 and a half shot percent of the shots while on the floor. So if he's out, Nova's a play. Monitor it now, though, because that line is you know moving and, and hammering down yeah the uh the money coming in on villanova 62 percent of the bets 90 percent of the dollars on the villanova wildcats as a dog at marquette and that's before we find out about the injury so again to charlie's point the minute that news comes out you might want to jump on uh, before there's movement okay and lastly we'll go to the big 10 you like a spot there as well yeah, I like uh, Penn State here at plus 10.5 or better. It's a lot of points for what should be a slower-paced game. Purdue and Penn State really love to operate out of the half court, slow things down. They don't push transition, primarily because Penn State and Purdue don't really force that many turnovers. Purdue, they love to feed their big man Zach Eady, right? We, you talked about how dominant he is right before this. He's incredible. He had 30 points against Penn State. He's a matchup nightmare for them. He's going to score. And, and I think every Big Ten team has really kind of understood that, and they're like, Zach Eady is going to get his, and he's going to dominate the paint. He'll probably score 20 to 30 points, but we're going to force Purdue to really shoot it and, and get on the perimeter and force their other players to make plays at times or make difficult shots as far as you know spacing goes. And I think that that's what we're going to see here. When you looked at the last matchup, uh, Purdue actually was trailing at halftime before they put the burners on in the beginning of the second half, and Zach Eady, as good as he was, Purdue shot the ball extremely well from the perimeter. I don't think that's going to happen here, and Penn State, where they love to attack is in the mid-range and from catch-and-shoot threes, and that is exactly where Purdue struggles. Penn State, they're, that's their, their two sources. Over 52% of all shots come from that perimeter or in that mid-range game, and Purdue, their guards are not equipped to attack that and to you know have their success against that they just rely on ed first and a bunch of these 
big men inside to grab offensive rebounds, get second chance opportunities, to clear the defensive glass. So when you look back at their first matchup, shot quality had this actually as a 67.4 to 67 Purdue win. So just barely a Purdue win. And now, you know, obviously we're going into Purdue, but I think this is just too many points. It's going to be a slower possession, slower paced game, a lot less possessions. And if you're going to give me 10 and a half, and I think that's that's where my buying point kind of ends is at that 10 and a half mark. I think that Purdue is going to get theirs and they're going to win this game. But I think, and I expect Penn State shooters to come out. They space the floor extremely well. And that's Purdue. Their, their defense doesn't. Or they, their defense struggles when it comes to spacing. So I think Purdue's going to get good luck, or Penn State is going to get good looks. And I think, and I expect them to have success here on the offensive end. Yeah, Purdue, fifty-five percent shooting in that meeting when they last met as the number one team in the country, and they made eight of eighteen from three, forty-four percent for the night. That was Purdue at Penn State, and the Boilermakers won seventy-six, sixty-three. But your numbers tell you that number of points should have been lower and it should have been a closer game than what it actually indicates. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Edie was, you know, phenomenal. He's going to get his, but Penn State really just played a lot better than as the score indicates. And I think that this is going to show in Purdue when everyone's expecting this this top unanimous number one team in the country to come out strong. You know, they've been on fire. They're 21 and one. This is the perfect spot to buy Penn, uh, Penn State. Charlie DeSterco, fully bought into the college basketball landscape this time of year. Thanks so much for your time, and uh, enjoy the studio. Yeah, thanks, Brendan. All right, on to the NHL final slate of games before the NHL All-Star break. We have a good one in Toronto tonight. Boston visiting the Toronto Maple Leafs. Boston on a skid right now. The Bruins have lost a couple in a row after going down to Carolina, going down to Florida. Uh, losing to the, a couple of those teams, Tampa, as well as the Florida Panthers in heartbreaking fashion, may I add. Boston getting a lot of the bets tonight on the money line at minus 125. Hurricanes and Sabres also in action. The Canes played the Kings last night. We welcome in our hockey guy, uh, one of the many uh, people at Action Network who can talk anything. It's Michael Leboff, who joins us now on the show Okay, so the Bruins are they're they're hitting a skid. They haven't they've been a wagon all year. They've been dominant, uh, top tier in multiple categories, and they've finally hit a skid. It was bound to happen. They need the all-star break. Can they get out to the break with a victory? Yeah, I like the price price on Boston here. Uh, minus one twenty five, minus one twenty. Um, if you can find it. The Bruins have lost three in a row. This is their first losing streak of the season, but they're, and they're catching a team that's five, one and one in their last seven. They're on the road. So it doesn't look great, but the Maple Leafs are going to be without their best player, their most important player, Austin Matthews. And the Leafs are showing some defensive flaws that they didn't really show through the first 30 you something know, games of the season. They're, they're giving up a ton uh, of high danger chances going, uh, going the wrong way. Now they're, an offensive juggernaut so they can live with that against most teams but you can't really do that against the Bruins uh Boston is, is so good at keeping teams to the outside so Toronto's offensive output will probably be harder to come by in this one and if they are as leaky as they have been they're gonna get caught so without Matthews uh with the Bruins in, in their first real buy low opportunity of the season uh, we've been waiting for this one for a while I think I agree with uh the public here uh, and and I think Boston is a, a little short uh of, of or a little cheap of a little south of where they should be uh even on the road 
Some sharp money coming in on the Bruins as well, according to the Action Network app. What do you make of the goaltender in Toronto with uh, Matt Murray being out now for a bit? Yeah, Samsonov uh, has been pretty good all season. He's been really good at home. He, but his track record over the past couple of seasons has, has kind of shown us that he is uh, a goalie that can go through these fits and starts. So whether or not you could trust him f- to be the guy, right, to, to handle yeah. the, a starter's workload from the second half on is is another question entirely. Um, the Matt Murray situation is definitely something to keep an eye on uh, because without that safety blanket, and both these goalies have a lot of question marks, Murray with his health and Samsonov with his uh, inconsistency, that could be Toronto's undoing, um, but that's you know a longer-term question, I think, uh, and, and one that we probably won't have an answer to until uh, the playoffs. But, yeah, Bruins definitely get the edge in goaltending. Both these teams have great power plays. The Bruins have the best penalty kill in, in the league. And uh, when when you're looking at these two teams, like the Bruins are just slightly better at everything right now. So, you know, why not back them here on the road? And in, in what is, you know, it is a tricky spot, right, traveling. And then tomorrow, most of these guys will, will head off to Cabo or wherever for a little – few days of uh, R&R. Boston, Toronto, 1-2 respectively in the Atlantic in the Eastern Conference should be a good game. So that's a longer-term question. I asked you about the goaltender. Let's ask some longer-term questions as it pertains to the season. Some calendar notes, the NHL trade deadline. Of course, all-star break this weekend. Trade deadline's not till March 3rd. Um, so there's still some time for teams to figure out where they may stand Let's give me a team right now that might not be performing to expectation as far as what their expectations were before the season and where they're at now, but you'd buy it on at this point in the season. Yeah. The Florida Panthers are in an interesting spot because they are coming off a season where they finished with the best record in the NHL last year. And they were expected to not be as good, but be pretty good uh, this season. You don't drop off the way people don't expect teams to drop off the way they did. Uh coming into uh you know through the first half of the season but their underlying metrics have been pretty strong all season their predictive numbers have been all right like better than where they are in the standings for sure they're just kind of catching some bad breaks with with injuries or inconsistent goaltending or both of those things happening at the same time so if if they could stay healthy this team should be able to trend up a little bit put some pressure on the penguins the capitals the sabers and the islanders and in, in, in the playoff race uh and Florida's in a funny spot where they already gave up their first round pick in this draft, which is supposed to be the deepest in a decade, at least in the NHL. So they'll do everything they can to stay out of the lottery because the the worst case scenario for the Panthers is they finish in the lottery and then they watch the Montreal Canadiens, you know, win it and and get to pick first overall with, with their pick, which is going to be Connor Bedard, who is uh, supposed to be the next Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby. So the Panthers have a lot to play for. They won't be sellers no matter what. Um, and there's enough talent here to expect them to positively trend upwards. Plus 3,300. I bet MGM to win the Stanley cup. Is that worth a look? I, I would say I'd, I'd rather just play them to, to make the playoffs. You can probably get around two to one on them, or you can, bet against the team that we're going to talk about next, which is kind of correlated. I think the Panthers should, if they're going to take a spot, it'll be from Pittsburgh, uh, who is a team that I would sell going into the second half. The Penguins over the past two seasons, three seasons, uh, they've turned into a defensive juggernaut. Uh, and you'd expect, you expected that to kind of continue their team. That's not terribly deep up forward. Uh, they have a lot of high end talent, obviously with Crosby and Malkin, Jake Gensel and uh, offensive defenseman and Chris Letang, but they're, Depth, their depth scoring is is lacking, and 
that has forced them to play a more defensive game over the past few seasons. And they've been very good at it. Uh, they, they're usually one of the better defensive teams in the NHL, but that is not showing right now. Uh, after a 15-3-3 rip through November, uh, yep. the Penguins have kind of fallen apart and they're beating up on bad teams and they're getting wins against bad teams, but they're giving up a lot going the wrong way. And, and they have an injury issue and goal with Tristan Jari, who's out again. Casey DeSmith has not looked good um, in his stead. So until the Penguins kind of fix that, they're their team I'm selling. Plus, you're not talking about relying on Crosby, Malk, and Latang, who's already missed significant time this season with a stroke. Like this team has injury concerns at huge positions. If one of those guys misses a large chunk of time, the Penguins could be in some serious trouble. They missed the they've made the playoffs in 17 straight seasons. Man, what I would do for that kind of stability for the Islanders, right? But this could be the first uh first time. Uh they're 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 on thin ice. Pittsburgh has lost three of four going into the all-star break. So you're buying Florida, selling Pittsburgh as we enter the NHL all-star weekend. Leboff, thanks so much for the time. How are you feeling elsewhere, though? You had the Caps, the Blues, and the Islanders. I'm looking at the app right now. You've got those three teams as your future picks. You're going to dabble anywhere else? Um, I have my eyes still on the Winnipeg Jets, uh, but I want to see how that central division shakes out because you got to try to avoid Colorado in that round one matchup. Uh, so we'll see what Winnipeg does, but if they're hanging, still hanging around, you know, that 30 to 40 to one range, uh, as we head towards the playoffs, they're definitely a team I'll keep an eye on. And the, the Edmonton Oilers are all of a sudden a team that, uh, you know, I've kind of changed my tune on. I, I really was against Edmonton all season, but their team, I expect to be pretty aggressive at the at deadline and, and could be worth a price. Uh, cause I think that they're going to win the Pacific division. They should have a, a relatively soft path uh, through that division as well in the playoffs. So Edmonton in like the teens is sort of interesting. Seven, one and two in their last 10. They're playing well right now. The Edmonton Oilers. Okay. Leave off. Enjoy the all-star break. And I'm sure we'll talk to you again real soon. Talking hockey. All right. So long, man. And you can catch Leboff as well as Nick Martin every Tuesday and Thursday on the Line Change Podcast Actions NHL betting podcast. They have you covered on what's happening on the slate that day, injury news, picks, and uh, they'll be in full force once the All-Star break is over after the coming weekend. Of course, you can find picks from Leboff and our guests from the show over in the Action Network app. Follow us at green.daily. To see the picks from the program, Sean Littlehead picks today, Charlie DeSterko in college basketball, Leboff taking a look at the NHL. Green Dot Daily is presented by BetMGM. Use the bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,000 first bet insurance. Terms and conditions apply. All right, folks, that is it. That concludes our Wednesday program, our first episode in February. Tom Brady retires, and uh, we can put this day behind us now and move on and look ahead, and that's all we can do at this point. So for those of you that might be struggling during this time, um, I support you, and I'm right there with you. We're back tomorrow at noon Eastern. We're getting closer uh, to the Super Bowl, of course. So uh, we'll continue to get there. We have a lot of time. We've been focusing on some other sports here on the show, but we're making our way to fully breaking down Super Bowl 57. Get some green dots today. Enjoy the other sports that are taking place. For everyone behind the scenes, our guests on the show, Brendan Glasheen, Green Dot Daily returns at noon tomorrow. We'll see you.